You know, in, in the days that we're living in, there are a lot of challenges. Uh, you never know what you're going to face, but you don't have to. You don't have to know everything that's going on or what you're going to face because you know who you're going to face it with. That's God. No matter what it is that comes against you, the Bible says greater is he that's in you. Where? In you. It would be one thing if, if God said, you know, you got to get to that building to get your help. You don't have to go anywhere. God's right there. God came and made his home in us. When we receive Jesus as Lord, the Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, comes and lives in us. The Bible says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So whatever you face, even though it may seem overwhelming, it's about your focus. We can, we can face things and do it on our own, even though God's right there. He'll never make us turn to him and trust in him. But the moment we stop and we recognize this fight isn't mine, this battle is the Lord's. Lord, what do you have for me to do? Because there's a part we have and there's a part that he has. How many of you know our part is not the big part? All right. I'm so grateful for that. God has for us to look to him, to listen to him, to obey him, and he'll take care of the rest. That's a pretty good deal, don't you think? So with that, you need to cast all your cares right now. You here, you at home, just close your eyes for a minute. We're all facing stuff. We're dealing with different things, and, and this week is going to present some new challenges. But understand that God's up for the challenge. And, and he has a plan for you that's for good and not for evil with a future and a hope. And so it's up to us to make sure that right now we're turning all that care over to him. Whatever we've been concerned about, trust him with it because he can do far more than you can. Right now, Father, we cast our care upon you. Lord, we give you the concerns, the considerations, the frustrations, knowing that you said you would work all things for good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. So, Father, we just let them go. We release them to you knowing that with you all things are possible. We thank you, Father. We thank you for bringing us into the fullness of the victory. In Jesus' name, and everyone said? Amen. Amen. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, God's excited. You know why he's excited? Because he sees what's ahead for you. And, and what he has ahead for you is good. It, it's not without its, its, its challenges, but he has a plan where you're going to overcome no matter what. Um, our focus is so important. We can, we can, the Bible says we're in this world, but we're not of this world. And that's a real challenging concept because we're supposed to walk by faith and, and not by sight. And yet, We've been so accustomed and attuned to walking by what we see, what we hear, what we feel. Um, and, and what that does is that lowers our perspective, our attention, our focus to the things that we're dealing with. And if you and I are going to deal with the stuff that's dealing with us, we're going to struggle. Or we can lift our sight from those situations to God and, and allow him to do what only he can do and... Um, Today we're going to continue on talking about unity, but we're going to take kind of a little side trip uh, because unity is so important. Jesus prayed that we would be one. 
And he prayed that we would be one, one with the Father and one with one another so that the world would know that, that the Father sent the Son and believe in Jesus. Um, but when we think of unity and we look at our society, do we see a lot of it? No, we're living in a world that is so divided. And the Bible tells us what division does. A city, a nation, a kingdom, a, a family, a church divided. What does the Bible say? Won't stand. It, 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 it'll be brought to desolation. And we're seeing that everywhere. And that's not God's will. And it's not God's doing. So God has something else in mind. And we have to choose to refocus. I mean, we see it everywhere, but we shouldn't concentrate on it. What we need to do is look for God, be aware of God. But unfortunately, in the world that we live in, the, the division is coming mainly because of a characteristic that is definitely not what God has for us, but it's something that comes very naturally to us as humans, and that's pride. Uh, pride, let me give you a definition of pride. Pride is self-focus, it's an inordinate self-esteem, an unreasonable conceit of one's own superiority and talents, beauty, wealth, accomplishments, rank, elevation, and office, which manifests itself in lofty airs, in, in contempt for others, and looking down for others, to, on others. And, and, you know, that self-focus. In the garden, when Adam and Eve sinned, what was the first thing they recognized? That they were naked. They focused on self, and we've been focused on self ever since. But that's where we've got to realize that we live in a society that is obsessed with self. I'm sure you know the answer to this, but what is the most photographed subject? Self. People are taking more pictures of themselves than ever before. And that's an indication of where our focus is on self. And we need to lift our focus from ourselves to God. God's the only one that's going to be able to get us through and get us into what he's, he has for us. And that self-focus is, is a lot to do with pride. Um, the Bible tells us about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And there is this pride that is the undoing of people. And we're going to look at pride today because the opposite of unity is division. And division comes from pride. There's, there's a divide because of pride. And we're going to see that today. But we're going to get a, a head start, a jump start with some of the scriptures that we've looked at to just remind us about how important unity is. Uh, but before we go to the word, we're going to pray because God has something for you, something for you here, something for you at home. God has a word for you. God has a download for you. God has uh, an investment in your life to help you today and overcome this week. So if you just bow your heads, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your presence, for your provision, for your plan, for your power, and, and for the working of your word in our lives. Today, Father, you said that your word would go forth and it would not return void that it would accomplish that which you sent it forth to accomplish and prosper in the way it goes. Your word brings freedom and liberty. Your word brings life. Your word brings light and understanding and revelation. Your word brings health, healing and health. So, Father, we thank you for the entrance of your word, that, that it would do a work in our lives to help further your plan, your purpose, uh, your power and, and your provision in our lives and through our lives. So, Father, thank you for giving us hearing ears that we would hear what you would speak to us 
individually and us corporately that we would be able to hide it in our heart that we would not miss what you have prepared for us to walk in and also to, to distribute to those around us. And we thank you, Father, for this in Jesus' name. And everyone said? So we've been, we've been looking at uh, unity and the importance of unity that it brings revival. Uh, our unity with God, our unity with one another. But it comes, unity comes because of love. And uh, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 14, this is a scripture that we used as foundation for this series. But it says this. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. So we're to clothe ourselves. And, and what does that outfit of love look like? Well, we began to look at it in the preceding verses because it says above all or uh, the things that were previously written about. Uh, in verse 12 and 13, we began to look this up and look at the characteristics of, of how love is exhibited and experienced. And it says this, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Who is this written to? Well, obviously the Colossian church, but this is addressing you. You're dearly loved. You're dearly loved by God. You're chosen people. You know, I, I used to, to, one of my favorite people would say, what's your favorite class in school? And in elementary school, my favorite time was lunch. And, and I just did lunch really well. But one of the things that happened after lunch was we'd go out on the playground. And that was a stressful, really stressful time for me because in, inevitably they would, uh, we, I went to school at Turn Road or now Joy School and uh, we would have kickball. And that was the big thing back in my day. Um, and they would pick teams. And this was the stressor for me because I was usually picked last. And it was just, you know, I don't want to be last because, you know, somebody's got to take you. But I want you to know God doesn't pick you last. God picked you first. God chose you. You are important. You're valuable. You are a treasure to God. And, and uh, the enemy doesn't want you to get a hold of that, but the truth is you're chosen. You're, you're, you're special. You're important to, what, to God and to what he's doing. And so it says to the chosen, God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with. So this is what we, we put on. This is what comprises love's outfit. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if you have ha, if you have. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So these are the characteristics. These are the things that we've been looking at and we're understanding that will keep us united. Love will uh, ex express itself, display itself uh, in these characteristics. And we've looked at compassion and kindness. We've been looking at humility. And we don't see these characteristics of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and forgiveness. Do we see a lot of that in our society? No, but this is an even more important question. Do we see a lot of that in the church? Because this should be displayed every time Christians get together. Wherever we go as Christians, this should be what our character is displayed as when we interact with other people, no matter what they're doing. Our character doesn't change because of what somebody does to us. Our character is our character because it's the character of Christ. And if Jesus is our Lord, then we're supposed to be followers of Jesus. 
These are the things that will be displayed in our lives. And I know we're all growing in this and developing. I, I'm still growing. There's a lot I still need to develop more in. But it's, it's a goal. We need to have a focus and, and say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to be intentional. When, when I experience what I don't think I deserve or what I don't like or what I don't expect, I'm not going to react anymore. I'm going to act intentionally with these characteristics. Uh, it goes on to say in, in, uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 2, it, it affirms the same thing. It says, lead a life worthy of your calling. Remember, you're called, you're called, you're called, you're elect, you're the chosen of God, for you have been called by God. Always. Okay, so when we see that word always, we understand that there's no moving away from that. We can't get away from that. Be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because what? Because of your love. Making allowances for each other's faults. When somebody has a fault and it's, it's displayed towards you, there's usually an irritation or an injury. And we talked last week and, and the week before about how love covers a multitude of sins. Gave the example of an oyster when it has an irritation or an injury, something that comes in, it begins to surround that, which is irritating or injuring it with a material that eventually becomes a pearl, something that's priceless, something that's valuable, something that's beautiful. God has the same thing to do. You know the scripture. The Bible says God works all things for. That was not convincing. God works all things for good. Okay, so it didn't start out good. <clears throat> Excuse me. But God's going to work it for good. But the way he works it for good is God who is love, love gets involved and begins to surround whatever isn't it good and moves it towards that place of good, that place of beauty, that place of value. It's an amazing thing. When we look at Jesus on the cross, was it beautiful? No. Was it desirable? No. But God was working something for good, taking something really brutal, really difficult, really really uh, just beyond our comprehension. And God, in his love, worked it for good for all of us. And we can do the same things. We can allow God in his love. The Bible says the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. We need to turn to God, focus on God, receive from God him and his love so that we can begin to surround these situations in our life and turn them into something that is beautiful and valuable and desirable, but we have to be humble. We have to be gentle. We have to be patient. We have to be aware. Other people are going to do things that we don't want, we don't deserve, we don't like, but they're still going to do them. And if we just react according to, you know, you did this to me, I'm going to do it to you, then it's a loss. But if we walk in love, if we love and we make allowances for each other's faults. Remember, the Bible says, as you sow, so will you reap. Every one of us here has faults. We're aware of some of them, but there are, are other things in our lives that we're not as aware of or we're not honest with ourselves about. And when we injure somebody else, when we irritate somebody else, how do we want them to interact with us? We want, do we want them to just cut us off and chop us up? I know, I know it's a, it's a silly question, but I'm asking you for a point because we don't want that, but if that's what we do to others, that's what we're getting back. But if we 
we'll operate in love towards them. We may not get love back from them. We may not be, people may not be kind to us or, or gentle with us or, or compassionate with us, but I'm telling you, that will come back. It may not come back right when you sow it, but it will come back in the time that you need it most. So that's where we need to see that this is, this is the way God has for us to live. And, and when we live this way, we promote being, staying connected and being in unity. In, in Philippians chapter 2, it says this. Love each other, be deep-spirited friends. Now look, this is talking about love. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside to help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Now this is, I love this translation because it's so relatable. You know, when it says, don't push your way to the front, don't sweet-talk your way to the top, put yourself aside and help others get ahead. You know, I, I see this and I know this is what I'm supposed to do, but I struggle sometimes. I struggle two places the most. One is the grocery store, the other one is when I'm driving, okay? Because invariably, when I get to the grocery store, I don't understand why everybody's in my line. What are you doing in my line? Don't you know I'm coming to check out and I've got places to go, people to see, things to do? I need to put myself aside. You know, I, I'm, I'm learning this. And there are times that I've, I've been just picking up a couple of things at the grocery store. And I get into line behind somebody that has a cart full. And the person will so wonderfully look at me and say, oh, you can go ahead. And you know what I want to do? I want to go ahead. And I am finding that more and more the Lord's just directing me. The Spirit of God will just check me on that. And I'll just say, you know what? I'm not in a hurry, but I appreciate your kindness. Thank you for being so kind and considerate. And they're like, you can go ahead. Yeah, I know, but I'm okay. I'm, I'm good. I'm just going to, you go ahead. And, and it, all of a sudden... There's something that connects you with another person that, that wouldn't have happened before. If I had just gone ahead, they would have. But that makes somebody think. And, that, and that's where we need to be different. We need to be, you know, what God has for us to be, which is not going to be the norm of the society that we're living in. And so people will take notice of that, and God will use that to draw them to him. But don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves. So we're supposed to put ourselves aside and forget ourselves. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that and I don't really consider God in the equation, that sounds like I'm going to be taken advantage of. Anybody else see that there? Well, maybe you don't, but I do. And, and in the world, there's a tendency for that to happen. But how many of you know that if we'll do what God says, there's a blessing that comes from it? If we'll put ourselves aside and we'll forget ourselves long enough to help others get ahead, isn't that exactly what Jesus did? Jesus put the things aside so that he can come in, could come into the world to help us. And, and look what's happened with Jesus. He is the... King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is above all. 
And God's word says, if we'll humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God in due season, humility is what we need to, to, to express and to live. But we many times are sabotaged because we live in a world that's full of pride, full of self-focus, full of getting yourself ahead. You know, if we'll do what God has for us to do, God will make sure we get ahead when and where we need to. The Bible says promotion comes from God. But right here we see, don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way. It's very easy for us to try and do that. But we need to esteem others, consider others as more important than ourselves. But again, there's a, that tension. If, if I make everybody else important, what's going to happen to me? Well, Jesus said, if you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. God's word says he'll never forget your labor of love. When you do what you do for other people, God is going to make sure it's multiplied, that goodness is multiplied back towards you. But the principle of sowing and reaping, if, if I become impatient and angry with other people, that's going to be what I reap. And I, I, I don't want to reap that, so I've got to choose to sow something different. And I'm learning, I'm learning how to do that. But instead of doing this, we end up in pride very easily. Another translation here, the uh, ERV says this. Show your love for each other. Be united in, in your goals and in the way you think. In whatever you do, don't let selfishness or pride be your guide. Be humble and honor others more than yourself. Don't be interested only in your own life, but care about the lives of others too. Don't let selfishness and pride be your guide, but we've grown up in this world. And in this world, those are the two characteristics that are so dominant in people's lives that don't have God. And unfortunately, even in, in Christians' lives that aren't following God. And so we're going to talk about pride today because pride is destructive. It doesn't just break the unity. It destroys lives. And uh, uh, in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18, this is what it says about pride. Pride is the first step toward destruction. Proud thoughts will lead you to what? Defeat. Destruction and defeat. They're, they're kind of two sides to the same coin. None of us want destruction. None of us want defeat. But that's what we're going to get when we walk in pride. And, and pride is very self-focused, self-serving, self-elevating. And, and we have to recognize that we've been trained in some ways to be prideful, to, to look out for ourselves, to, to take care of ourselves before we take care of anybody else. And God says, that's not the way of the kingdom. And sometimes we're trying to live the kingdom of God by the ways of the world, and it doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. It's, it's very, very challenging when we don't even realize that we're dealing with pride. Pride is one of those characteristics that we're able to see it real clearly in other people. You've had that happen. Uh, you see somebody and you see the pride and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're fooling themselves like that. But we're usually blind to the pride in our own lives. That's why we need other people to help us. We need God's help. But we also need other people in our lives to help us recognize when we're in pride. Because it, it comes in ways that we might not be 
willing to acknowledge. But in Obadiah, that book that you're always in, in chapter 1, verse 3, this is what it tells us about pride. It says, the pride of your heart has what? Deceived you. Pride is deceptive. And, and that's really dangerous because when we're deceived, how many times do we always realize we're deceived? Well, very rarely do we initially recognize deception. It's not until something happens and we realize, you know, I thought that was the greatest choice I would make. And then you come to the end of the choice and you get the repercussions and it's not what you expected. But we talked about deception and the days we live in, these days, the Bible tells us in many places in the New Testament that in these days, one of the characteristics of the days we live in is deception. Many will be deceived. And over and over again, we're warned about that. Deception is, is rampant in our society. But also in the New Testament, uh, it says over and over again, don't let anyone deceive you. So if we're not going to be deceived, we've got to, what, what keeps us from being deceived? What can we grab a hold of? What can we incorporate in our life that will dispel deception? Anybody know? Truth. Truth. If you know the truth, you'll know what's not true. If it doesn't line up with truth, it's not true. But if we don't know truth, we're easily deceived. The Bible says if we're hearers and not doers of the word, we deceive ourselves. But this says pride causes us deception. And we did some teachings on, on deception. And I almost hesitate to ask, but I'm going to ask anyways because I'm a person of faith and I believe you know. Um, but where there is deception, there is? Oh, you guys are so good. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, where there's deception, there's loss. You know, something gets stolen. Something that God has, when we're, we're operating in pride, we're deceived and something's being stolen. Now, I want you to know, none of us can afford for the enemy to steal what God has for us. And not just for us, but through us to those around us. So this pride, this pride, this arrogance, this self-focus causes deception to begin to to permeate our lives, and, the, and we don't even know it. And it continues to increase to the point where we're unaware. We see what's happening as far as the result, that there's a stealing going on, there's a loss going on, but we're unaware of why it's going on. And that's where we need God's word, God himself, and we need other people that will lovingly speak truth into our lives and help us to recognize where pride is operating. You know, I, I told you that the grocery store is one of those places that I, I struggle with. Uh, but also on the roads. I mean, why is everybody on the road on my road? Why are they in my way? Why don't they know better to get to the side so I can get? To, that's all pride. It's me elevating myself. And in Proverbs, uh, it, it tells us, I think it's chapter 22. 21, Proverbs 21, 24, gives us an understanding of how pride acts. It says proud people think they're better than others. Oh, but we don't do that. But when, when people don't do what we want, we're wondering why they don't see what we need and take care of. We're better than them. 
And it's so quickly sneaking into our lives, permeating our lives, because it's a part of the world we live in. Without God, we're going to revert to pride. We're, we're going to fall down in pride. We're going to be uh, overwhelmed by pride. And, and it's, it's displayed in a variety of ways. We're going to talk about that in the future. But we've been talking about humility. We talked last week. We looked at, at Numbers chapter 12 where Moses was, it was spoken of him that he was the uh, most humble man of all the people on the earth. And last week we talked about how Moses was being attacked by his sister and his brother, Miriam and Aaron. They were speaking against him. And, and Moses, being humble, uh, just fell down before God and, and sought God. And Miriam and Aaron were speaking against him. And all of a sudden Miriam became leprous. And Aaron says to Moses right there, he says, pray for her. Now, Moses was humble enough that he didn't hold a grudge. He was compassionate. He was merciful. He was gentle. He was kind. He was forgiving. And in that moment, he prayed for his sister. Now, I, I told you last week, I might be challenged by that. If, if somebody had come after me and talked about me and done all sorts of things, and all of a sudden they, in that moment, said, hey, you know what, I need some help. Would you pray for me? I might say, well, I'll get to that. You know what I'm talking about. Because it's hard to turn ourselves toward the benefit of somebody else who has not done well to us. But that's where in humility we realize I'm not looking at what you've done or somebody else has done. I'm looking at what God's done. What God's done to me, I've freely received. I need to freely give because I didn't deserve what God gave me. God loved me when I didn't love him. God gave his best for me, his son, when I didn't care a thing about him. And that's how love is supposed to operate. It's not based on what somebody else does. It is a determination, a decision on my part to love other people no matter what they do. And when I start to get in pride and somebody does something to me and I think I don't deserve that, that's not right, uh, that, that was a dumb thing for all of a sudden I'm elevating myself and I need to just humble myself under God so that he can do what he does and I can do what God has for me to do and impact that person's life in a way that normally they wouldn't, wouldn't have that situation happen. But proud people think they're better than others. Now Moses, we, we saw in Numbers 12, he was the most humble of all the people. He prayed for his sister. He didn't react. He didn't look for revenge. And yet, how many of you know that Moses wasn't perfect? All right, there was only one perfect. Who was it? Jesus, and you're not perfect. So we're all going to be tempted. Jesus was tempted in everything, but the Bible says without sin. And so we're going to see that as much as we may be doing the right things, we're, we're walking in humility, we're walking in compassion, we're walking in kindness and gentleness, and, and all the things we're supposed to, walking in love, we're not far from getting tripped up. And so in Numbers chapter 20, we're going to look at Moses again. And uh, here's what it says, starting in verse 1, it says, Then the children of Israel, the whole congregation, 
came into the wilderness of Zin in the first month and the people stayed at Kadesh. And Miriam died there and was buried there. Now there was no water for the congregation, so they gathered together against Moses and Aaron. And the people contended with Moses and spoke, saying, if we had only died when our brethren had died before the Lord. Now, we see that they're in a situation, and it says the whole congregation. Anybody have an idea of how many people that was? How many people came out of Egypt? Hundreds of thousands, if not millions. Okay, and they're coming to Moses and Aaron. So it's everybody against Moses and Aaron. They're looking at Moses and Aaron. They're complaining to Moses and Aaron. They're, they're putting the responsibility on Moses and Aaron. Who brought Israel out of Egypt? God. God happened to tell Moses and Aaron what their part was, but God did it. And so now they're coming to Moses and Aaron. They're complaining against them. They're giving them a hard time. And uh, this was not unique. I want you to know through the book of Numbers, we see a variety of times where people were complaining to Moses and Aaron. They were talking about them. They were disregarding them. And, and in this moment was another one. And then in, in verse 4 and 5, it says this. Why have you brought the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness that we and our animals should die? And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is not a place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, nor is there any water to drink. So again, they're, they're, they're condemning Moses and Aaron for something that who was supposed to be responsible for? God. But they're looking at them, giving them a hard time, and so in this moment, it's pretty tense. There's a lot of expectation. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of stress and strife. And verse 6, it goes on to say this. And we see how he reacts. So Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and they fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Then Moses, then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod, take your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together, speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So right here we see the first step after they're confronted, what does Moses and Aaron do? Where do they go? They go away. They step away from the assembly. I want you to know that is one of the best steps you can do. When, when you have an intense situation, don't just stay in it. But they didn't just step away to reformulate how they would come back at the congregation. They stepped away to step to God. Whatever you're dealing with, your first step needs to be always to God. Because without God, we'll never see what God intended. We'll never have all things working for good. If, if we don't step to God, and that's a sign of humility, when we humble ourselves and realize, I don't have the answers, I don't have the ability, I don't have the resources, because the truth is, none of us have all the answers. None of us have all the abilities. None of us have all the resources. But God does. God has what we need. 
and the wisdom we need in every situation. So they step back and they step to God and they fall on their faces. Again, another act of humility, humbling themselves before God. And, and what's God's response? It says the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And then the Lord spoke to Moses. <clears throat> he says, take the rod. You and your brother Aaron gather the congregation together. Speak to the rock before their eyes and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. You know, God just didn't say, I'm going to take care of the people. He's going to take care of all of it. When God has his way, everyone's taken care of. And so now they've got direction. They've been humble enough to seek God. God's given them direction. The Bible says, if you seek, you'll find. But what are we seeking? What are we going after first? What's our first move towards? Because too many times in my life, and I think in a lot of our lives, when we go through difficult things, pride rises up and I try and figure out. Hello? The Bible says, trust in the Lord with your whole heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all ways acknowledge him, seek him, and he'll direct your steps. But pride, my pride wants me to, okay, I can do this. I can figure this out. Uh, this is not my first rodeo. It's the beginning steps down the road of pride. And yet he didn't do it. And so God, God spoke and told him what to do. In verse 9, we find out how this is carried out. It says, so then Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he was commanded. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock as he was told. Then he said to them, here now, you rebels, must we bring water out for you out of the rock? Then Moses lifted up his hand, struck the rock twice with his rod, and water came out abundantly, and the congregation and their animals drank. So was Moses obedient? No. What happened? He gets back. He's, he's obedient up to a point. He gets back, and he takes the rod, and he calls out the congregation, and he takes his brother, and they get out there, and he says... Here now, you rebels. Did God tell him to say that? No. And then he strikes the rock. Did God tell him to strike the rock? What did God tell him to do? Speak to the rock. All right? So all of a sudden, he is being self-willed. Actually, there's pride involved. Because he tells them they're rebels. But what is he? He's a rebel. He's rebelling against what God told him. Remember pride? Pride will cause us to be deceived. We'll not see it. And, and the Bible tells us before we look to take the splinter out of our brother's eye, we need to take care of the log in our own eye. When we begin to see something in somebody else, the likelihood is it's operating in our life only in a bigger degree. And he's seen rebellion in all the people, but he is moving towards rebellion himself. He's already planned rebellion and he's angry. You know, the Bible says be angry and sin not. So anger isn't a sin. But anger becomes a sin just like anything. No temptation is a sin, but it becomes a sin when what we're tempted on, we take action on. 
The moment we move from being pulled towards something or attracted to something, the moment we take any type of action to move towards that, we're, we're moving into the realm of sin. And so he takes this action on his anger and he calls them all rebels. Were they? Yes. But God didn't tell him to say that. And so he calls them out and calls them that. And look at what he says next. Must we bring water for you out of this rock? Does anybody find that interesting? Did Moses bring water out of any rock? Who brought the water out of the rock? Who fed the people in the wilderness? Who protected all the people in the wilderness? And now Moses is taking credit for something he didn't do. Is that pride? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and then he, he lifts up his hand and he strikes the rock twice with his rod. And the result was what? Water came out. He was disobedient and God still supplied for the people and the animals because God loves people. There are going to be times that we're going to miss the mark and, and God's still going to love people and take care of them. He may bypass you and me because of our pride. But it says he struck the rock twice. Now that may not seem like very important information, but it's really important because back in chapter 17 of Numbers when the people were complaining again about not having water, God told him to go out and strike the rock with his rod and water came out. Another thing about pride is we don't, we don't think about receiving from God what we need to do or we just go back to our old ways. And Moses just went back to his old ways. I can rely on myself. I can do what worked before. Folks, you and I can't do what worked before. God may not do it the same way. That's why Jesus, when Jesus healed people, did he do it the same way all the time? No. And why did Jesus do what he did? Because the Bible says he always did those things that pleased the Father. He was humble enough to say, Father, how do you want this one to go? What do you want? One time he made mud. Another time he sent his word. Another time he touched. There's nothing better than obedience, but pride keeps us from obeying God. Pride causes us to think we know what's best. And the only one who knows what's best all the time is God. And we have to be humble enough to take the time to go to God and say, God, I don't know, except you tell me. I don't have what I need except you give me. Because when we start out on our own way, we're relying on us, and that's pride. Because we don't have the goods. We don't have what we need. Now, we see the result of this, and there was a blessing that came in spite of Moses, but Moses paid a price. And, and I would encourage you to read this whole chapter about what was going on. But Moses paid the price where God said, okay, because you didn't do what I told you to do, you're not going to lead the people into the promised land. That's a pretty hefty price. But sin always 
always brings some sort of death. But God, why aren't you merciful? Why aren't you kind? Why aren't you gentle? Why? Moses knew a lot better. This was not his first time in being directed by God. And in this moment, he was absolutely wrong. One of the other reasons why it was so costly is because that rock was a type and shadow of Jesus. And that's why God said, this time you speak to it. Don't hit it. And, and so Moses wasn't allowed to go in, but I want you to know he made it into the promised land. How do I know that? Because in Matthew chapter 17, it was a time where Jesus took Peter, James, and John and went up to the Mount of Transfiguration. And Jesus was transformed. They saw him in his glory. And there speaking to Jesus was the prophet Elijah and Moses. And so God allowed him to go in. Wasn't leading the people in. But I want you to know that God, God will redeem if you let him. But God doesn't want us to pay the price that sin requires, that sin brings. And pride will always get us into that place of sin, of arrogance. It's just like, like Lucifer. Isaiah tells us that Lucifer began to see this, the beauty and, and the material that he was made out of. He was a created being. And he looked at himself and he, he thought, I'm beautiful, I'm amazing, I'm awesome. And he said, I'm going to exalt my throne above the most high. You see, in that, that pride began to take hold. That pride continues to infect mankind. And we can be infected by it if we don't allow our lives to be filled with the love of God. God has for us to walk in love so that we'll unite with God and with one another so that the world will know who Jesus really is. But that love requires us to walk in compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. And when we do, we don't react in pride. We humble ourselves. And then we esteem others as greater than ourselves. Like every head bowed, every eye closed. Without God, this is impossible. Because this is, this is a supernatural work that we allow God to have in our lives. We participate and partner with him so that instead of going the way that we normally go, we choose to go God's way. We choose to walk in love instead of something else and, and see the enemy rob from us and rob from others. But it, it comes because we make that choice and, and we always have freedom of choice. And the question I have for you today, here and at home, have you made the choice to recognize, number one, who Jesus is, that he's the son of God, the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, the scripture says. And that he came and lived in this world and lived a sinless life and died on the cross for our sins and offered us forgiveness for our sins that we could be reunited with the Father and be reconnected in the body of Christ. If you've never done that, this isn't something that's mystical or magical. It is relational. And it's a choice. Like any relation, we have to choose to participate. If you have never chosen to 
have relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, to, to recognize that he is the Son of God, that he died for your sins, receive his forgiveness and welcome him in to be Lord of your life, then that's missing, but God is waiting. He's been waiting on the invitation by you to invite him in. The Bible says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Whoever opens the door, I will come in. Today, if you've never received Christ as your Lord, I want to pray with you. And if that's you here in the congregation, I just want you to lift your hand and say, that's me. I, I've never done this. We're going to pray this prayer together. So if you would all pray with me, Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I repent of my sin. I turn around and turn to you, Jesus Christ the Lamb of God. Today, Lord Jesus, I receive your forgiveness and I invite you to come into my life, be Lord of my life. From this day forward, I am yours, you are mine. Thank you for saving me. Govern me, guide me, and guard me all the days of my life. I love you and I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer here, please let somebody know before you leave. We want to be able to celebrate with you. If you prayed at home, uh, we want to pray for you. Uh, if you just let us know, go to the website, reslifeny.org, and scroll down to... Uh, the prayer request, let us know that you prayed. If you want us to pray for you by name, uh, give us your name. If you want us to contact you, leave uh, your contact information and we'll get a hold of you this week. Monday's coming. Some of you are like, yeah, I know. Yeah, but Monday is the day that you have the opportunity to see God in a brand new day. And each day this week, you're going to encounter all sorts of things, but God's already gone ahead of you and prepared the way. God has a great plan. God has an unequaled provision and power for you to be able to encounter all these things and overcome them by his grace and for his glory and in his love as we humbly rely on him. Amen? Would you stand? I just want to pray for you before you go today. Thank you for, for uh, coming today. Thank you for connecting online. Uh, I just believe that God is going to continue to speak to you and minister to you throughout this day and this week until we get back together next week. Amen. Father, I thank you for each and every one of your children, those here, those that are online watching and listening. Father, there's no place we go that you're not there. Father, help us to be more intentional and more aware of your presence. Help us to lift our focus from our circumstances and situations to you, almighty God, with whom all things are possible, who are not just around, you're with us, you live in us. Thank you for the presence and person of Holy Spirit who dwells in us, who will lead us as we humble ourselves and turn to and trust in him, that he would empower us to live as overwhelmingly more than conquerors. He will 
flood us with your love, that we will walk in that love, in that compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience and forgiveness. Father, we want to display your kingdom everywhere we go because you, Lord, are truly our King of kings and our Lord of lords. We thank you, Father, for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week.